Hi, this is Mark. Welcome to Words of Truth. Thanks for joining me today. Okay, so last uh, week I asked the question, are you listening to God? And I gave you a number of different illustrations of stories from the Bible about people who didn't listen to God and the consequences for their disobedience. And we talked about, remember, King Saul, who didn't obey, obey the voice of the Lord and he lost his kingdom. And there was Solomon who, at the end of his life, listened to the voices of his foreign wives who led him astray to worship false gods and how after his death, the kingdom was divided and ultimately conquered. And we talked about Abraham who didn't listen to God and he had an illegitimate son who has been causing problems ever since, even up to our day. And even David and Moses and the children of Israel who all decided not to listen to the voice of God and suffer the consequences. Now, if you didn't listen to that podcast, I, I would just encourage you to stop and go back and listen to that now and then come back and listen to this one because today I'm going to talk about people in the Bible who did listen to God and the results of their obedience. Remember the word of the Lord that came to Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15 in verse 22. I should have said came to Samuel. He says, as has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. In other words, God's greatest desire from us, more than even our sacrificial service to him, more than the hours that we give to the church, more than how much money we give to charity, is that we listen to and that we obey his word. So today, let's look at some characters in the Bible who did listen to the voice of the Lord. And let's begin by going back to when Israel entered the promised land. Now, last week we talked about the generation who refused to listen to God and they ended up wandering around in the wilderness for the next 40 years until that entire generation died. I mean, what a wasted life, right? All because they didn't trust God enough to conquer their enemies. But 40 years later, we come to Joshua chapter 1, where it says in verses 1 and 2, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Now, God is giving the children of Israel, of the first generation, now this is the second generation, an opportunity to do what was right, to listen to God and to reap all of the, of the benefits of doing what was right. In chapter 2, Joshua again sends spies into the land. Remember that 40 years earlier, Joshua had been one of those spies who came back saying yes to entering the land, but he was outnumbered by the other 10. But this time he only sends two spies. Hmm, wonder if there's a lesson in that. Anyway, in chapter 2, we read that when they returned to Joshua with a report, they told him in verse 24, Truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands, and also all the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. Well, the fact is, 
their enemies would have melted away 40 years earlier had they listened to God. But this time they were willing to follow God and they crossed the Jordan River and they encounter the walled city of Jericho, where God miraculously delivered the, sin, the city into their hands. You see, when you decide to listen to the voice of the Lord and obey his commands, miraculous things begin to happen. You remember that God parted the flooded Jordan River miraculously before their eyes and they walked across on dry ground reminiscent of when God parted the Red Sea when they left Egypt. And then he gave some strange orders to march around the walls of Jericho seven times and then shout and blast their horns and the great walls of the city fell down. Now, I'm not saying what will happen in our lives today will be as spectacular as what happened to Israel, but in my own life, I've seen God do some pretty miraculous things, albeit on a much smaller scale. For example, one time I was called to a new ministry in another city, and we had about a month to move. And so we trusted God to work out all the details, and I put a for sale sign out on the front lawn of our house, and we prayed. The next week, two couples called to see the house. And that weekend, one of those couples bought the house with a short closing date. And within a month, we were moving to our new location. Another time, we had moved to a new city and the transmission of our van uh, went out on us and we didn't have the money to repair it. And so we trusted God and I sold that van, not knowing what we'd do for transportation. I called a man in our church whom I borrowed a car from. And a month or so later, another man in our church asked about the car I was driving, which was a real beater, by the way. I told him the story and that we were saving up to be able to buy a decent car. And after about a month later, that man called me up and he took me to a local auto dealer where he and his wife had purchased a new van for us and gave it to us, obligation free. You see, we didn't know what we were going to do for transportation, but we listened to God moving forward without seeing the end and God provided in a wonderful way for us. The point that I'm making is that sometimes God will ask us to do things that may not make any sense at all, like walking around the walls of a city and shouting. I mean, what kind of a military strategy is that? And we might be tempted to say, God, that's kind of a stupid idea. I'm going to do it my way. But that's when we get ourselves into trouble, like Saul who made a priestly sacrifice outside of the will of God, and he lost his kingdom because of it. But it seemed like a better idea to him at the time. But you see, no matter how dumb or ridiculous a command from God might seem, and no matter if you understand it or not, it's always better to obey because God is set to do the miraculous. In talking about listening to the voice of God, I also think about Peter and the other disciples of Jesus. Remember, after the resurrection of Jesus, he came to them and he told them in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. Now that seems like a ridiculous plan. I mean, Jesus had been crucified because he was a threat to the religious establishment of, of the day. And the fear was they, they'd hunt down Jesus' followers and persecute them too. In fact, that's exactly what happened in Acts chapter 8. 
And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. But Jesus had told them, wait. That's exactly what they did. Good thing they did, too. Because in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost arrived, which was celebrated at the end of the grain harvest. I guess we could think of it as kind of like our Thanksgiving day. But on this particular Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was sent to permanently indwell and empower the disciples and all who would believe in Jesus, and the New Testament church was begun. Empowered and emboldened by the Spirit, Peter, the uneducated fisherman, stood up in the crowd of people and 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 he preached at Pentecost, and he preached a sermon where 3,000 people turned to Jesus and were saved. Now, just imagine what would have happened if the disciples hadn't have waited in Jerusalem in that upper room. What if they had have said to one another, that's a dumb idea. We're going to go back to fishing. And maybe Matthew would have said, I'm going to go back to my secure job of collecting taxes. You know what? They would have missed out on the very best that God had to offer just because they couldn't see the whole picture and the plan didn't fit into their minds. But because they did listen to the voice of God, a spiritual revolution took place that shook the world and the church began to take root and change society for the glory of God. There's one more example I'd like to share with you. I'd like to share with you the time of the Apostle Paul on one of his missionary journeys in Acts chapter 16. It's there that we're told that Paul went to Derby and Lystra, where he met Timothy, who later became one of his disciples and became a pastor and church planter and missionary. And as Paul ministered in those areas, verse 5 says, So the churches were strengthened in their faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And so Paul and Luke and Timothy left, and verses 6 and 7 reports, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak to the, the word to Asia. And when they had come to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Now, Phrygia and Galatia were landlocked Roman provinces in the interior of present-day Turkey. Bithynia was a Roman province north of Phrygia and on the Black Sea in what is northern Turkey today. Mycenae was the coastal Roman province uh, that lay west of Bithynia and northwest of Phrygia. And in this context, Asia refers to the western one-third of what is Turkey today. So, The Holy Spirit didn't allow them to share the gospel even in the region that they were traversing. But then look what happens in verses 9 and 10. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, Macedonia is north of Greece in Europe, across the Aegean Sea, on the northwest coast of what is Turkey today. For some reason, God wasn't ready for the gospel to be preached in Asia, but he wanted to begin in Europe. Now, we don't know the full reason why, but I'm sure that there was a good reason that God had. Maybe they would have met with resistance and persecution in 
Asia and their ministry would have stopped there. Or maybe God was still preparing hearts in Asia to receive the gospel. We do know that a few years later, they went to Ephesus to preach the gospel, which is in Asia. And about a decade later, the gospel spread to the rest of what is Turkey today, including Bithynia. First Peter chapter 1, verse 1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. There it is. But before that, God wanted the gospel to move westward and first began in Europe. You see, this was God's pre-appointed plan for them. And as a result, Luke joined the team, who God later used to write the book of Acts. And churches were planted all over Europe as people were being saved and transformed through the gospel. You see, God always has a perfect plan if we'll take the time to listen and obey. What plans does God have for you and me if we'll listen? Do we even stop and take the time to listen or do we just carry on with our own agenda? Maybe that's the reason we so often stop and wonder why there aren't There aren't any good things happening or working out in our lives. Or we find ourselves in some kind of a mess. Maybe it's because God had a better plan, but we didn't stop to listen. Even if it doesn't make any sense to you, like walking around a walled city or not preaching in an area that's within arm's reach, or like sensing God wants you to leave a good paying job to move to another one that's not as good of a pay or moving your family to a different location. My wife and I did just that recently, and although although some people thought that it didn't make any sense, we had a lot of unanswered questions. We can see God's hand in it all now. You see, things might not seem to make sense to us, but they make sense to God, because He can see the beginning and the end. He can be trusted. So. Listen to him. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you again next week.